Okay, y'all, let's open up in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. You know, if you were wondering, where in the world is Jeremiah going to go after his short sermon series in Matthew chapter 2? Well, why not Matthew chapter 3? Uh, don't worry, though. We aren't entering into a 75-week endeavor like we did with the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this is only for a couple weeks as we continue to see just what in the world uh, this author Matthew, this apostle Matthew, this follower of the Lord Jesus inspired by the Holy Spirit Matthew has for us. And here, the beginning of Matthew chapter 3, he has something that I believe is actually quite poignant for the end of the year as we look into a new year. Uh, I was having a discussion. I got here a little early. We set up some of the technology, the live stream and things like that. And as I was talking with our uh, director of youth, Ryan Vincent, as well as perhaps all things technological, as we were talking a little bit, uh, we were not just laughing, but uh, also lamenting this kind of common saying, well, let's just think positive. Let's think positive for 2021. Maybe you have said that. Uh, I know that I've thought it at least. I don't know if I've said it or maybe you've seen it written or you've seen it on social media or something. Let's think positive. 2020 is coming to an end. Let's think positive. And the kind of humorous part, we said, well, let's see how far that gets us, right? <laughs> let's just see. Uh, it didn't get us very far in 2020, right? Let's just think positive. And, and it, was, it was so good as I was thinking and praying. Uh, Ryan had no idea that, uh, that this was the, uh, kind of where uh, the Lord was leading us in Matthew chapter 3. But uh, here for our sermon introduction, I have it written here, are two Bible verses. And it goes directly against the world's, let's just think positive and maybe we can will ourselves into that reality. Uh, but... Sometimes we fall flat on our face when we do that, but, but there's another way. There's another way for those who are believing in the Lord Jesus, who, who are seeing God for who he is, as we confess from Psalm 100, that good God that we are praising, that God who is caring for his sheep as a shepherd. Here are these two Bible verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. James chapter 1 verse 17 says something very similar. Every good gift, every perfect gift, it's from above. Coming down from the Father of lights. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There is no variation. And so as we read God's word, as we see who God is, he shows himself to be who he is. It is what it is. There's no need to think positive or to think negative. When you see God, you see him for who he is. And he is very good and he is working for his people. We see it primarily in the sending of his son Jesus. And we see all of the benefits that surround that reality. But here's the thing, is that has been the truth from the very beginning. And that's our main point today that we see in John chapter 3. God has given humanity the same message of salvation from the very beginning, which gives his people confidence and comfort 
which I believe is what we need as we transition from 2020 into 2021. Spiritual confidence and comfort. We get it from that same message of salvation that God has given from the very beginning. Let's pray and we'll read God's word together. Oh, Heavenly Father, as we open up your word, help us, God. Help us. By your Holy Spirit, use this word to convict us of the sin that is in our hearts and that is on our hands. God, comfort us in the gospel that you put in our hearts that causes us to be saved. And so, God, help us to see these things. Give us eyes and ears. In Jesus' name, amen. This is John chapter 3. We'll start, I mean, excuse me, Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord, this word, it remains forever. You know, that's a Bible verse out of Isaiah that I oftentimes quote after the reading of God's holy word. And doesn't it fit with this main point today? that God has given humanity the same message of salvation from the very beginning, which gives his people confidence and comfort. We're going to see that in three ways this morning. First, Old Testament prophet, New Testament prophet. Second, Old Testament problems, New Testament problems. Third, Old Testament promises, New Testament promises. Let's see these as we begin with Old Testament prophet, New Testament prophet, verses 1 through 6. Now, as I mentioned to the children, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, or thereabouts, born to Zechariah and Elizabeth out in the country. He appears on the scene with a call from God. He comes preaching, and he's preaching about the nearness of the kingdom of heaven. He's fulfilling prophecy as the one called to prepare the way of Jesus. And his call sign, it is Elijah. Because alongside that prophecy from Isaiah in verse 3 of our text this morning, there are others 
For instance, Micah chapter 4 verse 5 says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Now remember, we were just in 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Kings. We were walking with Elijah, right, in his ministry in the Old Testament, if you recall. And, and as we were there, we began to see something about Elijah, that he was oftentimes recognized by his garments and by what he consumed. That Old Testament prophet Elijah is just like John the Baptist, or maybe I should say John the Baptist is just like that Old Testament prophet Elijah. And we see that in verse 4. They were known by the same things because he was fulfilling, that is John was fulfilling that prophecy of Elijah coming. Uh, more than that, and I think this is really the most important where you know, physically the signs, okay, this guy's got camel hair on, he's dipping, you know, grasshoppers in the honey. Is he fulfilling the prophecy? That gets us halfway there. But I think the most important reality that we see is the continuity of faith and reliance upon God himself. What was their message? That God was very near and working in time to reveal who his people should worship. That is, God and how his people should live, that is, in obedience to God's will, which is exactly what we see both Elijah and John preaching time and time again. And we see it as we transition into the content of the proclamation of John the Baptist right here. It's our second point, Old Testament problems, New Testament problems, verses 7 through 10. No matter the time period, no matter the people, humanity's problem can be boiled down to this. We do not want to listen and obey God. We would rather listen and obey ourselves. And this problem has serious eternal ramifications. John the Baptist hits on this problem hard in his proclamation. I'm sure you noticed it. Here's just a couple of verses so you can see. Uh, my summation of it. Verse 7, who's even telling y'all to come here, right? Uh, he's questioning them. Why, why are you here with me? He's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these, these leaders in the current structure that they find in Judea who uh, at times found themselves uh, not so near to Scripture and the truth of God. Who's even telling you to come to me? Verse 7. Verse 8, do y'all truly want to follow after the God I am proclaiming? Verse 9, it's not a cultural thing I'm preaching about. In other words, showing up isn't enough, right? That's what he's saying. Showing up isn't enough. It's a heart thing. Verse 10, God is the one changing hearts. And then John starts to jab. Is he changing your hearts though? He's the one changing. Why are you here? What are you doing? These New Testament problems that are represented by these people who are coming to John are the very same ones seen over and over throughout the history of the world, including that which is recorded in the Old Testament. God, through his prophets and ultimately Jesus, is answering that problem. How can we listen and obey God instead of 
ourselves? How can we be saved from the ramifications of our extremely poor decisions of going away from God and His Word? Because that's what's happening here. Uh, You see this this cultural context uh, where we fall into the comfort of our Father's faith, right? That's what he says. Uh, You know, just because you claim to be Abraham's people doesn't give you Abraham's faith right? Uh, Just because we're coming out to see the show. I heard you yelled real loud. I'd like to hear you. You know, what what does that mean? Why are you here, right? You know, all of these things that John the Baptist is pointing out is really pointing and trying to show us what we're focusing on and what we're not focusing on, right? Because when we're looking to the Lord, we begin to see that real tangible change in our lives. Uh, Speaking of the Apostle John, as he records Jesus talking to Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again. There's a reality of change that bears itself out. But, But here, John, not in a bad way, is trying to needle and say, are you, are you really changing? Are you really those who are seeking after God? Or are you still looking to yourselves and are you still looking to this world in some way, form, or fashion. You see, God through his prophets, ultimately Jesus, he's, he's answering the problem, but, but he answers it with the promises that have been going on from the very beginning. And that's our third point. And we're kind of zooming and then we're going to pause on the, on the big picture. So stay with me. This is our third point. John kind of goes there all of a sudden. The Old Testament promises and the New Testament promises. Verses 11 and 12. You see, in the Old Testament, Elijah came preaching the need for repentance. That is, and and hear me well, repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance, if you wanted to use kind of the literal definition, is turning away from the sin that you're doing and walking away from it, right? It's, it's active movement away from that which it is you are doing. And so as we look at it in the context of what John is proclaiming, as we look at it in the context of what God reveals in his word, we are moving away from that which is wrong and going towards that which is right, Built into Elijah's ministry, time and time again, was the miraculous work of God revealing himself, of God restraining his judgment, and of God providing salvation. If you go back, if you haven't, weren't with us for that uh, first and second Kings sermon series with Elijah, or if you are and you're thinking, yeah, I remember that. There were these moments where Elijah came and he was powerfully proclaiming to the point where you think, man, this guy's being a little intense. But time and time again, there was restraint. If you recall, for instance, even from God. Do you remember when God revealed himself to Elijah? The earthquake, the fire, the wind, all of this stuff happens and Elijah says, ah, God's not there. The whisper. And what does Elijah do? Covers his face because he knew God was in the whisper. There is this this merciful and gracious restraint uh, and this provision of salvation when the reality is that we should be in the earthquake, in the fire, and in those tumultuous winds. But that's not what God wants for his people. He wants to show us the way of salvation. Verses 11 and 12, they get a bad rap for being fire and brimstone. 
But built into John's ministry, John the Baptist, is the constant refrain that God was working to reveal himself, working to restrain judgment, and providing salvation. It's the same message that Elijah was revealing to God's people in Israel, and we see it here. It gets a bad rap because, listen to the wording, right? I'm sure you're familiar with it, even if you didn't know it was coming from right here. He's going to, Jesus, that is, is going to baptize you with fire, right? You know, whoa, he just used the word fire. He's going to burn the chaff with an unquenchable fire. You know, you, you get this fire moment where it feels like, whoa, is he, is he pointing at me? You know, is he, is he yelling? You know, you, you start to back away from that feeling, and we should because it's very intense. But that's not all that the verses tell us. We miss out if we are quick to judge, like the world, who skips over the fullness of John's proclamation that Jesus' baptism is not only one of fire, but one of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus is coming to gather his people like wheat into the barn. That even when all hope seems lost and the people of Abraham have gone far astray, God can work a miracle and raise people from the stones of the earth. There are most certainly ramifications for unbelief, for faithfulness, and, or excuse me, for faithlessness, and for the immorality that's born out of that, right? So uh, it's not that uh, we are uh, immoral, therefore we're faithless, right? It's as we, as we turn our eyes away from God, as our faithlessness bears fruit, it bears fruit in immorality. And at the same time, there are most certainly ramifications for belief and for faithfulness in God. And that leads to righteousness. But I hope you heard me before. It's not that you are righteous, therefore you get some faith. It's that God does a work in you. And as God is doing a work, you bear fruit. And what is that fruit? It is the fruit of the Spirit. It is the fruit of righteousness. You are who you are. It is what it is. And God is the one working. For those that believe in the God who extends the hand of salvation, that is, the free offer of the gospel, you know, that's what our denomination is built on theologically. Uh, we get a huge bad rap from certain individuals in the world because of uh, our beliefs in the scriptures, in the Bible. But we are the ones who literally, our denomination was founded on the God of the universe extending salvation in his hand and saying this, will you take it? For the offer is for all. Come, whoever you are, Whatever you're doing, come to me and I give you salvation. Will you believe? Will you believe? The free offer of the gospel. It is scandalous. It is absolutely scandalous. And our denomination is built upon it. Because that is what the scriptures reveal this God to be. The one who freely offers the gospel. If we are ones who truly believe in this God, there is a reception of the life-giving Holy Spirit who points the way to Jesus like a sign and who seals you up in salvation for good. This is the promise of the Bible from beginning to end. This is the proclamation of Jesus Christ and the good news that he ushers in 
God has given humanity the same message of salvation from the very beginning. And let's not forget that second part of the main point. That reality gives the Christian, the follower of God, comfort and confidence. Let's look. Today, as a believer in God, as one whose faith resides in Jesus through the gift given by the Holy Spirit, I have a question. Where is your confidence? Where is your comfort? Where do you place it? Where do you get it? Do you even have it? Confidence. Not even comfort, right? Just confidence. Are you confident? Yeah, I'm confident. Where? Well, in my knowledge of my college football team. I'm confident there, right? I'm confident there. What about work? Uh, yeah, sure. You know, I've been around the block. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'm totally confident. But a little. What, about, what about the Bible? What about in your God? Oh, what do you mean? We, we stop there for some reason. And we begin to lose out on such a great blessing. And that's just confidence. There's also comfort. God has a timeless message that has been the same from the beginning. To answer the worst parts of you. Let me say it again. God has a message from the beginning that answers the very worst parts of you. The ones that only you know about. Or maybe only you and your spouse. And even your spouse has no idea of the depths of the sinfulness of that piece of you. God answers it with the sending of his son, Jesus. With the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the safe harbor of God's people if we would just flee there, to there, to that place, rather than to the world that is stormy and shaky and trembles every second of every day. Lack of reliance upon God and a looking on to the world for that confidence, for that comfort, it leads to a lack of true godly spiritual confidence and comfort and it can then transition us into a multitude of sins and weaknesses for instance discontent at where you are in life discontent lack of the ability to graciously communicate how are you known in communication are you known as one who is warm and winsome and gracious or are you known as cold and abrasive? Impatience with everyone, maybe even yourself. Are you patient or are you impatient? Pursuit of worldly remedies to your otherworldly problems. Ah, uh, maybe I'll just have one more drink tonight. That'll do it. That'll cure 2020, that next glass of red wine. Men, maybe you don't go to the glass, maybe you go to the computer, and women. And maybe you're not looking up something that you like others to see. Or maybe it's something that seems a bit more innocent. Ah, just one more game. Let me just watch one more game. I enjoy it. At least football wasn't canceled. I enjoy that. And so I find something there. You find something there? Is it lasting? Jealousy, envy, 
anger, malice. Ultimately, all of that reveals that one plaguing problem of humanity. And it's, if you recall, not wanting to listen and obey God. Rather, let me just listen and obey myself because I know and I can find my confidence and in comfort, if I just keep looking, if I just keep pursuing, if I just keep running that rat race a little bit more, I'll make it. And if I make it, I'll be confident and I'll have a comfort that cannot be taken away if I can just make it. When we truly turn our eyes upon God and his word, God promises change in our lives, which will certainly increase our spiritual confidence and comfort, which will certainly decrease our unrighteousness and sin. It is the path of true spiritual progress and hope and excitement and enlightenment and joy that this world knows nothing about and I guarantee you is the problem of the church today as we look and wonder why we aren't comfortable why we aren't confident in our own shoes in a society that does not believe. Welcome to reality. It has been this way for thousands of years. And yet God has shown us a way as the people of God not to judge others, not to crush them with anger and malice and envy and strife and anger and frustration, not to abrasive smacks and all of these other things, but to, in humility, look unto the God of the universe who provides something that this world can never do. And as we get this provision from God, this same promise from the very beginning all the way through, and as it bears out by the Holy Spirit, as we are born again and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to share it. If you really believe, if you really believe and you stop right here and you let it stay inside the doors of this church, you hinder all confidence and comfort that you could ever have because you're living a double life. One on Sunday morning and the rest on Monday through Saturday and honestly, the majority of this Sunday after this church service. But as we live a life, uh, a life not in the dark, not as a lie, but with confidence and with comfort, knowing that the God of the universe is the one who is providing all of these things. It is not an untoward or awkward moment to simply be who we are, followers of God in a world that does not follow God. God has given humanity the same message of salvation from the very beginning. God has given his people by the Holy Spirit an awareness to see the message of salvation. As we who see are given the confidence and the comfort, I implore you, we must be the ones who go and share the good news with the world, the world that is around you, not the world like, uh, do I have to be a missionary? We have missionaries, and I hope you will be one. But there is a world that's right around you. The first place you need to start is yourself. Ask yourself from this word, who am I? Do I believe this? And as you begin to see, yes, I do. Why don't you go to your family? 
And as you go to your family, your friends. And as you go to your friends, your neighbors. And as you go to your neighbors, your work. And as you begin to realize that you are who you are in the midst of the people that you are in, you are provided by God, not by the world, a comfort and a confidence that sees you through the day and grows you through the day as well. You are not hindered. You are not slighted. Your sin, though still there, begins to fade away. As you live a more righteous life, not to pat yourself on the back and put it on Facebook and then announce it in front of the church that you're the most righteous now because you've been working on it. No, because your desire is to fall in line with the God who has revealed these things to you and you have the power because of his working in you. This is the reality of the Christian faith, not only for 2020, not only for 2021, not only from, uh, uh, from the birth of Jesus until now for 2000. This is for all of time and all of eternity. This is preacher John here preaching Jesus. This is Elijah over there preaching Jesus. This is me right here preaching Jesus. And now I'm telling y'all, if you are believers in God and in Jesus Christ, Go and preach Jesus to yourself and to those that are around you. Witness the comfort and the confidence that bears out from God himself working. It is incredible. It's not because you click a switch and you say, well, I shared the gospel today. I'm confident now. No, it's because you have that desire given to you. And as you begin to be who you are, you no longer have to feel like you're wearing multiple masks. You operate in the light. And as you operate in the light, surprise, surprise, your conscience cleans itself. And you don't have to feel like you're living this two-faced moment where you're always constantly stressing on who knows what and when and why. You can be who you are, who God has made you to be. And as you move forward, it frees you. And as you are freed from the bonds of slavery of sin, and as you come under the yoke of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is a light burden, it's very nice. You begin to see that you have that comfort and confidence that you've had it all along. And it's from God to you. And you see it here as John the Baptist preaches, as I preach, and as everyone else does. Let's pray and then let's sing to this God who would give such good gifts to us. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you have given us the same message of salvation from the very beginning. And that because of that, we can live lives that are true. And as we live these lives that are true, we find that we can be comfortable in our own shoes. That we can be confident, not because of ourselves, but because of you, who has that same message for us from the very beginning. Thank you for John the Baptist. Thank you for Elijah the prophet. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who fulfills all things and reveals to us a way forward, salvation, even the salvation of our souls. We pray it in Jesus' name now. Amen.